We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane for LakersNation.com. Lots to talk about tonight if you're joining me live from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. Welcome. If you listen to the podcast version, welcome as well. Thank you for listening. And please make sure that you do follow us over on Apple Podcasts. We love all the sub- subscriptions we've been getting there lately, all the reviews that have been coming in, some of them incredibly touching. I- I've been moved by the things that have been written in our re- uh, reviews lately over on Apple Podcasts. So, very much appreciate those. Please keep those coming, that five-star rating and review. And, of course, following us on Apple Podcasts. Great way to help out the show, as well as Spotify and every, anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Uh, tonight, we've got not just myself, not a solo show. We have myself and Sean Spaces Davis. Sean, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. You know, I've been cooking up some stuff in the Spaceman Lab. Um, so, uh, no, great to, to come back on with you, Trev. So... The NFL is back. We had the NFL come back this weekend and it's already got me like in, in the zone. Like I'm just, I'm ready for sports to fully be back. Look, I I follow the Dodgers and all of that, but it's not the same as when the NFL and the NBA are going. So the NFL is back. I'm ready. I'm ready. Basketball. Let's go. We are today. We are three weeks away from the Lakers starting preseason. I'm let's, let's do this. uh, Kicking things off against the Kings on October 3rd. You know, a lot of people, though, are still surprised by the Lakers roster. That's what I want to start with is looking at the Lakers roster right now. I've got concerns about the lack of three-point shooting and the lack of of spacing. So space is. I'm going to ask you this. Darvin Ham, this is your guy. This is the guy that you wanted from from day one. From before before we even thought Frank Vogel was going to be gone, Sean was saying, bring in Darvin Ham. What is Darvin Ham going to do, assuming this roster stays as is? And I think that is the general assumption right now. Most believe that the the likeliest scenario is that the roster is what it is heading into training camp, heading into preseason, with the exception of that 14th roster spot will get used. But that's probably not going to be anything too significant there. So assuming there's no trade, and look, it could still happen. I'm not saying it's not happening. It could happen, but most likely the roster is as is. You're Darvin Ham, Sean. What do you do with the lack of floor spacing that you've got on this team? 
Right. And uh, really, really quickly, I do want to emphasize that when we try to evaluate Darvin Ham as a coach, I would hold off on like if he if it doesn't look well, I would hold off on any criticisms until next season. Because I think next season is when you're like, okay, Darvin, now let's go. You're gonna have a full off like this offseason has really been trying to correct the mistakes of last year. It's not a real offseason in my eyes, because they're trying to correct so many things a bit poorly last year mm-hmm. so it's like an uncorrect or a correction of what happened whereas next season or next offseason presumably should be more of a, okay let's just focus on getting better instead of trying to correct the wrongdoings in hope that we get better in the process of correcting some things we should have done in the first place okay so you're um, so you're saying this season for darvin ham it's about undoing the damage next season is when we'll get to see darvin ham really do the kind of stuff that he wants to do Yes, because okay. I think next season he'll be able to with Russ off the Russ off the books, whether they trade him at, at the All Star, uh, sorry, not the All Star break, the trade deadline, or they're some able somehow able to get a trade done now before training camp, presumably um, next season. Uh, Darvin Ham should be, and it seems like he does have legitimate input on this roster from stuff we've heard and how this roster has been put together. So next season we should be able to see how Darvin Ham really wants this team to look where you don't have to worry about Russ on the roster, trying to fit him into your, into your plans. Uh, and then you'll have, if this is the roster you go into the season with, you have 30 or so million dollars of cap space to play with, not you no know, max player money, but you have some money to play around with. Now with this current roster, I think we'll see some of the stuff we, we, we've talked about more so offensively than defensively. We're in that four out one in the spacing stuff. Doesn't, bother me as much as it does other people is definitely a concern but in the concern tattle poll or whatever it's uh definitely a little bit lower for me than it might be for some other people it is a problem though but i think the gravity that lebron creates and as long as like you're, you're relying on some guys shooting better than normal like is austin reeves going to be able to shoot uh as well better than last season as he really worked on that you're going to get a healthy Kendrick Nunn, who is a you know positive value offensively, <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, you're going to see Kendrick Nunn next year. Uh, Anthony Davis, I mean, first off, I, it can't shoot much worse from three than he did last season. That's one. And then, um, yeah, I think he'll have more positive offensive gravity instead of, hey, let's just give AD the ball in the post and, you know, let him go ice or whatever. Um but I think I think we're gonna see some ground rules set for how Darvin Ham wants to run this team, and we'll see it more uh, play out in year two with Darvin Ham, where you know it's gonna be more of the traditional four out one with Milwaukee, how they did in Milwaukee. Um, you're gonna see a lot of two man game with LeBron and AD to close games, and um, I think you're gonna see a team that wants to get out in transition. You're gonna see Anthony Davis look like a monster again. I'm predicting that. Hopefully, I'm right, like I was with Christie and Darvin Ham. Um, but, yeah, I think we're going to see how Coach Ham wants to play. And then roll in a year or two, I think some expectations will start to show up because that will be his team. Here's the the problem. The four-out four one-in. This is why I asked the question because I am trying to see – I'm envisioning the Bucks offense and the Lakers trying to run some variation of that. But this is the problem I keep running into. Drew Holiday, 41% from three last season. Grayson Allen, 41% from three. Pat Connaughton. 40% from three. Bobby Portis, 39% from three. Chris Middleton, 37% from three. Brooke Lopez, 36% from three. Like, you, I'm going down the list. So there's there's their main role players, right? And, and Drew, obviously, is not a role player. But 
Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, Chris Middleton is not a role player either, but you've got your key rotation guys. They all can shoot, right? They, they all can shoot the ball. And that I think is, is a challenge for the Lakers in that you've got a lot of guys where we hope that they can shoot. We hope that they get up to, to league average from three, but it's going to be tough to run four out one in when multiple players in that four aren't respected behind the three-point line. So I'm curious. I'm really interested to see what Darvin Ham does exactly, how he tweaks things in order to try to get the most out of this roster, given that you're going to have, like, if Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis are behind the three-point line and LeBron is the one in, every, every defender is going to be in the paint, right? To a certain extent, yeah, but I think you you can still run a functioning offense. And again, this is where Darwin would have to get creative. I think you can still okay. run a functional offense without having elite perimeter shooting. Um, if you look at, I mean, I get it. Steph is ridiculous, and they had Wiggins and, and Clay when he got back, but that's their starting. They had two guys that are like legitimately like complete zero Looney and, and Draymond Looney and Draymond. Now, granted Steph's gravity as a player in it of itself is like enough to you know, provide some spacing of the floor offensively. And some of the stuff they do off the ball is great as well. But I think on look, the off the, uh, the chemistry and the gravity that LeBron creates is very similar to Steph. They do it in different ways, but the gravity of LeBron creates for other players I don't know. I, I understand the concerns, but again, I think you can run up like LeBron shoots well enough. Patrick Beverly's in your starting lineup. He shoots well enough. Thomas Bryant as a five out, you know, pop out big is good enough, especially in terms of perception, which does mm -hmm. matter around the NBA. But Anthony Davis, if he's respectable, is good enough from three. Then it's Russ. So, and I'm just playing around if, if that's your lineup. Again, you definitely need some guys to shoot better from three than they have in the past. But I definitely think that um, you could run a functional and, and a really good offense around with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, um, as long as it's great off-ball actions and emphasis on ball movement and really gain the defense moving side to side instead of them being set. Draymond's a great quote. He was talking to J.J. Redick, and he was like, anybody – yeah, set defense can guard anybody, but when you get the defense moving side to side and you get the ball in, you kick it out, you do it again to the other side. Now you get, let's just say it's Russ attacking a wild closeout, getting downhill, and he gets to be a playmaker. So um, I definitely think there is a concern and they have to get more shooting, but I think they could be still a really good offensive team. I'm Yeah, I'm not trying to say that it's an unsolvable problem. I think it's a problem, and I'm really curious to see what steps Darvinham takes to try to solve that problem. And I don't think you completely overcome that. Like, there's going to be, yeah, you, there's going to be a ceiling on how good you can be offensively if you just don't have the floor spacing at any point during the season. Like, let's assume there's no midseason trade. There's going to be a ceiling on how good your offense can be because you're not going to have that other dimension in terms of having the the outside shooting. But I do think that there's things that Darvinham can do and be proactive to try to solve that problem and i think the off ball movement is a is a key that you mentioned you're going to have to get guys moving off ball you're going to have to have that chemistry everybody's going to have to be playing off of each other i am curious to see what it's going to take for darvin ham to accomplish that if it's something he can accomplish by midseason and who knows we may see you know look troy brown jr 
Maybe he shoots 36% from three. That's not out of the, the realm of possibility. Maybe Austin Reeves does. Maybe you get some guys who can come in. Right. Uh, JTA, you, uh, Thomas Bryant, you mentioned some guys. If they do see a, an uptick in their three-point shooting percentage, which again, look, we know there's a this thing where guys tend to shoot worse when they put on a Lakers jersey for some reason, but playing with LeBron, some of these guys are going to get more open looks than they ever have at any point in their career. So maybe it can be reasonably expected to see them shoot career highs from three. So we'll see what happens there. And then also really, really quickly, somebody has brought this up. It's a great point. I typically don't go to the chat for stuff like this, but you look at that bubble team. It's not like they were great spacing offensively in the half court. Now, part of that is the offensive system wasn't great, but they also supplemented that. Now, not saying they didn't have players that could space the floor, but when yeah. you got on the half court, the spacing wasn't ideal. But they, you know, were able to um, get behind that and, like, not have that be such a major problem because they were able to get stops and get out and transition and play with advantages. Um, so that's another, that's one way Darvin Ham could try to get past this problem and uh, say, hey, you want to score? Play defense and get yeah. stops. I mean, Danny Green was a threat from behind the arc. He was, what, 37% or something from yeah, three? Yeah, we, K- we have K- players. KCP would be the best three-point shooter on the current Lakers, right? Yeah. If you were to if you were to put him on the team, he's the best shooter on the team right now. Yeah. Um. So they had some, but I, but I get the point. They it's not like they were just loaded with all forty plus percent three point shooters, but they were a bigger strong. They were bigger than you at just about every position. They were more physical than you at just about everybody every position, and they just beat teams down with that physicality. And I don't I don't see that on this current team. But it but point taken though. Uh, Mario Hernandez with a super chat. Thank you. Said Lakers fans. Oh, here, here we go. Some optimism. Lakers fans are being too pessimistic about this season and it hasn't started. Yes, Russ is still on the team, but we have to give Darvin Ham a chance with a healthy AD, LeBron, and any potential trade. Yeah, I think that's important that we understand that even if the Lakers are at a point right now where they say, you know what? Whatever the Jazz are offering us, it's not worth it. Whatever the Jazz are offering us, it just doesn't move the needle enough. Like, it, it would feel good to pull a trade off, right? It would, it, fans would be happier, but we still top out as a sixth seed, even if we do this deal, right? All right, so maybe the Lakers are at that point. The Pacers, they, it just doesn't make sense for us to do this deal right now. That doesn't mean they're not going to pull off a trade at some point, or they're not going to try to make a deal. I still, it still doesn't make any sense to me if they're just dead set on nope we're saving our cap space for next summer and that's that then why did you go give up young players in order to get patrick beverly if you didn't intend to compete this season unless patrick beverly was just a cap clearing move to clear taylor horton tucker's player option off the books if that was the only goal then i get it i'd be sad be sad if that's if you made that move solely to clear the player option for next year off of the books from THT's contract, but I don't think that's it doesn't have the ring of truth to me. I think they do intend to compete this season. I think they are going to continue looking for deals all the way up to the trade deadline, and eventually, I still think they do something. Uh, what do you as far as give Darvin Ham a chance? Yeah, I think here's here's the thing. I understand if fans, right? We we got hurt last season. Yeah. We got hurt bad, right? That was brutal to watch. And so everybody's got their guard up, right? We got our walls up. Nobody's going to believe. I, I mean, I've been saying it. 
I'm going to be skeptical that anything the Lakers are going to do this year is going to work until I see it on the floor. Because last year, we talked ourselves into, well, it can work this way, it can work that way, and we got burned, and we got we got beaten into the ground all season long. And every time we thought we could nice. stay... What's that? I was just going to say, that, like, saying burned is, like, probably being the nice way of saying we oh. were worse than burned last year. <laughs> I mean, how many times did we see the fake comeback, even within a game where we thought... <gasps> They're finally going to, things are starting to click. They're going to get it. Oh, no, wait. 10-0 run going the other way, and we're smashed back into the ground again. It was brutal. So I fully understand fans being pessimistic, fans not wanting to get their hopes up, all of that. But I think at the same time, you got to have an open mind, and you got to give Darvin Ham a chance to do what he can do. And again, we can be skeptical. I think that's fine. We can be skeptical that it's going to work, but you got to still give him that opportunity to to do something here to change things to make a difference to make an impact i think that's only fair yeah absolutely and uh just to show you how excited i am to see this new regime with uh darvin ham um i'm looking forward to that first preseason game because i think we're going to see a decent amount of no we're not going to see darvin ham empty the uh the tool bag of his X's and O's and their out of timeout sets and stuff like that. But I think the foundation, the foundation of what the Lakers are going to look like on both ends of the floor, we're going to see in that first preseason game. And I'm really mm -hmm. excited. I might overanalyze that game actually. So bear with me. Oh, we're all going to. That's, that's just, that's human nature, right? We're all over, we all overanalyze when we have that small sample size. We just, we hyperanalyze every single thing that happens. Um, I mean, look, it's happening with NFL right now, right? Everybody, oh my gosh, the Rams are never going to win a game all season. They are terrible now. They stink. I'm not even going to watch this team. One game. The Chargers win the Super Bowl. That, that's right. The Chargers are, are, <laughs> are never losing, right? So we have to keep in mind that when we get to these preseason games, that it's easy to overanalyze or to read too much into them. That being said, Sean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift here because last season, we kept up that belief that the team's talent ultimately at some point was too high for them to completely implode. We thought they, they would win at some point. We saw warning signs in preseason, but we largely dismissed them as, okay, it's preseason and they're not really playing. This doesn't mean all that much. And those things were true. Until we got into the season and they continued to do the same thing. And they played with about the same energy level actually in the season as preseason. This year, I don't think we can do that. I think the preseason actually matters a little bit for this team. They've got to get out there and get their legs under them and actually get to a decent start because of the lessons that we learned last year. No, totally. I agree. And um, yeah, man. Now... Is it going to be a point like if they go, I mean, how many games do we play in preseason this year? Six. Six? I think okay. it's six. So, like, you go one and five, two and four. I'm not going to overreact because it, it's not even really about the record. It's just like you said, Trevor, like, hey, how do they actually look, right? Does the offense look in terms of the scheming? Is it functional, right? Do they get back? How do they get back on defense? Where's the transition defense look like? Stuff like that. But, um, yeah, man, again, I'm pumped. What is it, October 3rd, you said? So, yeah, mm -hmm. just under three weeks away um, or three weeks away from today. Um, I'm pumped, man. I can't wait. And um, yeah, 
and, three, and now the chat's criticizing me for saying if we go one and five, we'll overreact. No, I'm not going to overreact. It's preseason. No, I don't care how, how many games to win in preseason. No, but but I want to see. Okay, I guess I guess here it is, right? Like, it would be nice to win some games. I think that would help, especially with with where Lakers fans are at right now. It would definitely help to win some games. So winning preseason games, I think that matters. But what matters even more is I want to see that fire. I right. want to see that they care to be out there. And I think we will. I think we will because you've got younger players. You've got guys who are playing for something. They, it's not old hat to them. It's not something that they've done for 17 seasons in the NBA and they're like, whatever, it's another preseason. I think we're going to see guys come out fired up and, and ready to play, particularly when it's Darvin Ham. When it's Darvin Ham giving you that pregame speech, Again, I'm expecting to see guys running through brick walls. So I'm excited to see the energy level and the focus of the team in preseason. I'm also a bit nervous about it because if it's not good, then I think that's going to be a bad omen for the season. But I think it's going to be, I think preseason should be a lot more fun this season than last because I think the energy level is going to be there. And I hope it's going to be there because uh, I'll be out in uh, in Las Vegas for a couple of preseason games. We're going to do some shows from uh, from the wind in the studio. Uh, on the, I believe it's the 5th and 6th. Yeah, the 5th and 6th. Uh, when they're in Vegas, they play back-to-back. I want to say it's like the Suns and the Wolves or something like that. They play those games. Uh, we'll be out there. And uh, hopefully some of Lakers Nation stops by and hangs out. It'll be a good time. Eyes emoji. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Devin said, Sean, don't listen to the trolls. You're the GOAT, LOL. Oh, and who do you guys pick? as a better off-the-bench score, Kendrick Dunn or Lonnie Walker? Well, thanks for the first part of the comment, yep. but Devin, I must disagree. I might get kicked off the show for saying this, but uh, the GOAT is the other guy, the guy to my to my left on my screen. That it, That's that guy. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm trying uh, to get the, the bonus points there. <laughs> uh, off-the-bench scorer... I think who's the more like athletically gifted scorer, if that makes sense, it might be Lonnie. But I think what this team will need is more of Kendrick Nunn scoring, where he's that spot up shooter who can create off the bounce for himself, but it's really going to provide his value as a gravity player out in the corner shooting those spot up threes. But if you're asking me, like, hey, like somebody give somebody the ball, go get a bucket, I'm I might go Lonnie. He's he's just so athletically gifted it can finish above the rim over anybody. Uh, if it's Lonnie Walker from season before last that's shooting 36% from three, I probably lean him. But I feel yeah. like overall, Kendrick Nunn, we've seen two seasons in the NBA. Lonnie Walker, we've seen four. I think Kendrick Nunn has played the game at a higher level than Lonnie Walker has. Yes. So I'm going to fall back on that. And I'm going to say say Kendrick Nunn. I'll, I'll say Kendrick Nunn as the better off the bench score, just because if both were healthy, I think we've seen Kendrick Nunn actually do that and and be an objectively good player in the NBA. I don't think we've seen that yet out of Lonnie Walker, although I will say between the two, who has the higher ceiling? Lonnie. It's probably Lonnie Walker. Yeah. If Lonnie isn't shooting around league average, I'm not sure how he fits the rotation personally. Because yeah. your guard room is really stacked and he's not a good defender. So, and like some of the scoring stuff can be replicated by a Kendrick Nunn, and then Reeves' defense. If you if you consider him a, a like a guard, I view him as a guard slash wing. But if you want to say he's a guard, that's fine. Then Reeves' defense warrants him playing over Lonnie as long as he's around the average three point shooter. So, 
I'm not sure Alani fits into rotation unless he's like re- unless he's around that wheel 36%, which he shot the year before last. I said a bunch, a bunch of times heading into the offseason that the Lakers, in order to undo the damage, they had to bat a thousand this summer. They had to bat a thousand. And the moment they signed Lonnie Walker for the mid-level exception, they no longer had the possibility to, or their taxpayer mid-level, they no longer had the, the possibility of batting a thousand. Um, and that's not, I, I know that sounds terrible, right? That sounds like, oh, this is a horrible signing. It could still work out. But that skill set was not what the Lakers specifically needed. If Lonnie Walker was a great defender, okay, yeah, hey, sign me up. Sure, no problem. Understand it. But a 6-4 scoring guard who doesn't play defense and the three-point shooting dropped off last season, that's not really what this team needed when we had visions of Otto Porter Jr. and some of the, the wing players that were that were out there on the market, even if it was a Bruce Brown who you know can consistently knock in the three, other options would have been would have fallen under the category of batting a thousand. Lonnie Walker, I don't think does that. And again, I'd still think he has a high ceiling, but there's a much higher risk here too, because like I said before, with the Kendrick Nunn comparison, we haven't seen Lonnie Walker do that. And I hope we do. I hope we see Lonnie Walker be a consistent force here for the Lakers. The potential is there for him to do it, but it's a gamble. And I would have preferred to see a, a defensive three and D style wing with that taxpayer mid-level exception, instead of going for a guy who's got some upside, but we also have never seen him perform at a level that the Lakers need him at. Yeah. I think it's more so that you paid him your full taxpayer. I really, you can't convince that, me that. That irks me too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I wanted to bring this up. I think on the last show that I was on with Dan, like, what a good GM like Masai Ujiri and what, um, I'm not even going to say a bad one, but like, Rob isn't a good one that Masai saved just enough and he used the rest of the, their mid level exception to give Walker Castle the third year. Sure. Rob Palenka. Again, there's just no way you can convince me that you needed all $6.4 million to convince Lonnie Walker to come play. You probably, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? But I don't, if you couldn't get him for like five and a half, if not five, then I'm not sure why you got him. Cause I think that's as much as I wanted to pay. And then that way you are allowing yourself to go and give Max Christie the third year on his rookie deal. Not even saying he's going to be a great player, but it's just how you, how you should rather handle rookie deals. So you have that extra year of flexibility and you're not paying them a year too early. Like you just freaking did with Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, Walker Kessler was with the Wolves and then he got traded to the Jets. I mean, not Walker Kessler. Um, man, dang it. What's the, what's the, what's their big name? What's their big name? Dang it. Sean, you should know this. This is on me. What just got drafted? Yeah. Mm. Not Walker Kessler. It's um, chat. Help me out. I should definitely know this. <laughs> you can you can look it up. I don't recall exactly who they who the Raptors took in the in the draft there. Um. All right. Let me get into this. If the Lakers have cap space next off season, will they also be able to use their mid level exception and biannual exception? Uh. Good question. So the uh the cap room. No. So if they have cap space, your your mid-level exception is only for teams that are that are capped out. They have no cap space. Now, the taxpayer mid-level is if you're over that tax line, then you can use that. If you use the full mid-level, then that triggers 
the hard cap, as does the biannual exception as well. Um, those exceptions, again, are for teams that are over the cap. It's an exception to allow you to spend a little bit of money when you're over the cap. What you do get, if you're under the cap, you just get that cap room to spend. So if you're $30 million under, then you get $30 million to spend. There is, however, something called the room exception, which off the top of my head should be around $5 million or so this season, maybe high four into $5 million. And what happens is when you use, let's say the Lakers have $30 million in cap space, you use all of that cap room, then you could go spend your room exception and go over that cap by that, you know, four to five million or so, something in there. That's what they would have access to. The mid-level exception, they wouldn't because they would be a below the cap team. So they would then just be using cap space to spend. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And it was uh, Coy Loco. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, I was okay. like, why couldn't I think of his name? No worries. No worries. Too much between football and all the basketball stuff going on and everything else. There's there's a lot of sports happening. A lot of names bouncing around here. Uh, Ryan said, what about, oh, it's a, it's a trade here. The Cavs get Russ. He gets bought out and two firsts. The and Lakers Reeves. get... Oh, and Reeves. I missed that. And Reeves. Okay. Reeves, two first to the Cavs. The Lakers get Levert, Love, and Osman. So, Karis Levert, Kevin Love, Chetty Osman. And then he's got the lineup there. Patrick Beverly, Karis Levert, LeBron, Kevin Love, AD, signed Bledsoe to be a backup point guard. Cavs get two first that they just lost. I don't think they say, I, I don't think they do that. Kevin Love was really important for the Cavs last season. Um, and I know he's got a big salary, but I don't think they move at Chetty Osman. Okay. Uh, Karis Levert, they just traded for, I mean, Karis Levert, as I recall, contractually, they're in a situation where they may wind up losing him next summer anyway. So maybe there's something there, but, but look, the Cavs just made a big win now move, right? They just made a big win now move to get Donovan Mitchell. I would think that if they're going to make any other moves, I'm not saying that conceptually it's wrong for the Cavs to move Karis LeVert. They may very well end up doing this, but if they're going to do that, I don't think they're going to do it for future picks. I think they're going to continue to go all in on the, we want to win right now. vein. right. They're going to keep going that direction. I don't think they would do it for future picks. Yeah, this is a trade. I, I, yeah, I agree. Same, same thinking here, Trevor, you're trading away a key veteran piece in that locker room that, was I believe runner up 
to six men last season and Kevin Love, who was just awesome, just awesome. Um, and then Levert, again, maybe they might be willing to do that because they might lose them. And then said he also made a rotation piece for them just to get back to first, basically. Yeah. No, they've, they've weakened their team quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. I'll, yeah, they don't do that. And even from the Lakers side, I mean, well, look, from sure. the Lakers side, you probably do it. You try to pull Reeves out, of course, but Levert, Kevin Love, yeah, you're getting talent there. But again, I don't think the Cavs do that. Tony PR said, appreciate you all. Thank you. Uh, helps Lakers fans get through a rough season and off season. Well, for those of you who don't know, like the history of this show, it's kind of how it started. Like this show, we first started doing... Well, at least in terms of a live stream, we first started just on Facebook and we were just doing the post-game show. And that was something that existed separate from the Lakers Nation podcast. And it really was just like a place to come and, and gripe after these horrible games that we were watching. I mean, we were uh, we were watching Brandon Ingram at the time. This was years ago. We were watching Brandon Ingram Man. and Julius Randle. And it was, it was rough. Um, that's how the show started. It was kind of as like, a place for everybody to come and vent a little bit about the games. And that was it. But, uh, but Tony said, who do you see filling the number 14 roster spot? First 10 game predictions. Um, so first 10 games, what do you think? Uh, man, I had to pull up the schedule again, but well, I'll- I'm sorry. I meant, I meant 14 roster spot. I'm going to pull up the first 10 games. Okay. Um, if I'm going with, if you're not making a trade, which is why I'm semi, no, I'm, I'm squeezing out the last bit of optimism I have in me that they're right. going to make a trade because you have to fill that 14 for roster spot. But if you're staying in-house, just give it to Cole Swider. I Don't do anything silly. I don't want to see Mellow back because I think you have Mellow Light right now in Cole Swider. I'd rather give him a shot um, okay. in terms of the shooting and stuff like that and in terms of both players not being good defenders. Go get the younger guy that you can develop and maybe – if an injury or so happens, he gets uh, some opportunity, gets some run on the floor. Um, so I'd go Cole Swider, just give him that second, that uh, convert his two-way to a standard contract and give that other two-way to Jay Huff. Um, that's probably what i do. If I yeah. have to go sign somebody, then, well, I mean, if you're signing anybody, you're probably signing Melo. But again, I'd rather just give it to Cole Swider. Yeah, if I had to bet what the Lakers will do with the 14th roster spot, I would bet they would give it to Cole Swider um, as of right now. Now, if they, I think, obviously, if they execute a trade, let's say you trade Russ and you get Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, okay, well, then the 14th spot gets eaten up with that. But if I had to get what's most likely, most likely is the Lakers fill it with a player. And again, most likely because history says this is what they did last year, they took. Austin Reeves from a two-way contract, bumped him up to a full roster spot uh, before the season started. I think we're going to see something similar, and Cole Swider would be my best guess as to who they would they would do that for. So that's that's my guess, too. Uh, the first 10 games, let's go through this. Sean, I'm going to tell you the opponent. You just tell me, do they win, do they lose? Uh, opening night, Warriors. Loss. Uh, next, game, next game, Clippers. I'm going to say loss. Okay. Next game, Blazers. Win. Okay, so there's one win. Uh, next one is Nuggets. I'm going to have them win this one, lose the other one, because they play them twice. Okay, so you've got two wins here. 
Uh, then the Wolves lose this one. Okay, the Nuggets they lose that one, so I'm at two and three, I think, or it's that two and four, two and four. That's two and four. Then the Pelicans win. Okay, you got to beat the Pelicans, so that is uh, three and four now. Yeah. Then the Jazz win. Okay, four and four. The Cavs. Ah. Uh... I'm gonna be optimistic. Keep the win streak alive. Win. All right. So five and four now, and then finish things off with the Jazz. Win. I think more realistic out of this ten games is five and five. Anything more than that, plus. So you're saying five hundred after the first ten? Yeah. I think there'll be a game below. I've got. A, I'm gonna say four and four and six. I think they lose to the Pelicans for some reason. Yeah, I, I think That's anywhere I between anywhere from four and six to six and four. Mm-hmm. Is right around the range. Um, I think they can beat Denver. I, I I think if everything's going well, Denver earlier in the season, I don't think will be at their best at getting those guys back and getting their legs back under them. Um, I like Portland a lot, as you guys will see in the power ranking series on the front office show. Go make sure you guys are tuning into that and subscribing there, of course. Um, I like Portland a lot, but I think the Lakers match up really, really well with them. And they'll be thirsty hopefully for a win <laughs> it did seem like the lakers were thirsty for too many of those last year but um they do not yeah i think after those first two games i think the lakers could obviously i i highly doubt they will but i think they could beat those teams from portland to that last utah game i think they could win all those games but they probably won't so uh i've got so the chat is chiming in with their own predictions some people saying five and five, six and yeah, four. I got two. Wow. Some, I'm seeing some ten and zero oh here, but uh, you know, I don't think they're. <laughs> I got it. I've got ten. <laughs> there's a two and eight. Another zero um, and ten. Jeez. Yeah. No team of LeBron and AD is going zero and ten. Let's calm down, guys. Yeah, three and seven. Somebody said. I could see that. I could I see three. See you know, I mean, I could see three and seven. I could also see seven and three. Like. I think somewhere, I think the floor is three wins and the ceiling is probably seven. If you're only winning three, then who are the three? The two Utah? The, the two Utah ones. The two, I mean, without Utah being in there, you could argue they don't win any of them. And then I'm, and then I would say Portland? they pick up a win against the Blazers. Yeah. And that would be, that would be it. Now, let me double check something here. Um, this is, yeah, it's home. If it was in Portland, I would say that would be tough. Oh, they, yeah, we, they've yeah, struggled we, to win in Portland. Which one out of those first two against Golden State and the Clippers do you think we have, uh, do you think we have the, be- the best chance to win against? The first one. The Warriors. Against Golden State? Really? Yeah, and I'm going to say that because you sometimes see this. I mean, we just saw with the Rams. Sometimes when teams are getting their rings, like ring night. Fair enough. They aren't fully locked in. And the Lakers played the Warriors fairly tough last season. Um, even got a win against them. The Clippers, I just, I'm so jealous of the wing depth that the Clippers have. <laughs> it is, it, it is incredible. So um, I don't think they get the win in that one. I, I could see them getting a win though against Golden State. Uh, the I will say though, th- that's the Clippers' first game of the season. That's their season opener. So you will have at least a one-game edge in terms of experience on the Clippers there. But again, I, I just think if you're going to catch one of those teams off guard, it's maybe the Warriors as they celebrate getting their rings and, and all of that. 
I was actually going to say the Clippers. You kind of turned me a little bit, but I think the ring light thing would matter if this if they had won three other ones already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. By the way, speaking of Clippers, Paul George, welcome to <laughs> LA, man. <laughs> Paul George went to the Chargers versus Raiders game. This isn't, won, by the way. This isn't even. It's not even a Rams game, right? Like, we know Chris Paul, when he was a Clipper, shows up to Dodger Stadium, gets booed out of the building, right? Paul George shows up, and the boos just rain down upon him when he's shown on the screen. Patrick Beverly made a comment about this the other day, how there's just a different vibe when you're walking through L.A. and you're a Laker instead of being a Clipper. Yeah, you don't get booed everywhere you go. Like, Paul George knows what he did. He knows exactly what he did and what happened and why and why this is happening. And it's not even just because he's a Clipper. He had chances to be a Laker. And he chose to go to that team. That's that's what happens, though. LA's a Lakers town. I, I'm, I'm starting to think, Trevor, the Chargers might be the LA t- the team in LA. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure if, if Paul George went to a Rams game, he would have gotten that same response. So, you know, think about that. I'd have to imagine, well, like, I think part of it is, like, there's a lot of Raiders fans in L.A. too. Yeah. And and so Raiders charge, like, either way, it's L.A. fans filling the, the building. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and everybody could agree that, hey, the Clippers aren't it in, in L.A. Um, Yeah. It, but that was that was kind of funny to see that still, even with the Clippers being good lately, even with the Lakers now struggling and being in a tough spot right now and, and all of that, you show your face in public as a clipper in LA and you are you're an enemy there's no there is no hometown really you're you're kind of the outsider in your own quote unquote city yeah you know yesterday was just the the best Trevor you know the Dodgers beat the crap out of the Padres the Chargers get a win over their division rival and the and Paul George gets booed out of the stadium like you know it's just it's, it's just wonderful man <laughs> You had you had a good weekend there, didn't you? <laughs> three for three, baby. <laughs> oh man. And the, the chat is enjoying this this as well, talking about the, the Clippers and all of that. It look, I, I think the Clippers are gonna be really good this year. I think yeah. they're gonna be really, really good, but still, nevertheless, like LA loves loves the Lakers. There's no question. I just hope they turn things around here and they can figure things out. Um I'd like to see them take advantage of the advantages that they have. You know what I mean? Like they are, if the Lakers from a roster building perspective, from a front office perspective, made the kinds of sharp moves that we see some other clubs make that don't have the advantages that the Lakers have, you know what I mean? In terms of being the glamour franchise, in terms of the location, in terms of the spotlight they get, all of that kind of stuff. If they made the savvy kinds of moves that some teams that don't have all that stuff make, they'd be unstoppable. We just don't see them do those things. Imagine the Lakers with the stature they currently have, but like swap front offices with the Clippers. Oh, yeah. I I would even say, look, I you know, I love Jeannie and everything. I love, you know, I, I'm not, I don't want to speak ill of her, her, but yeah, swap out ownership as well, specifically because of, unlimited funds 
right? I mean, there's no there's no move that the Clippers won't make due to finances. Should we ask Sky if Tony Khan's interested in running a basketball team? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and again, look, I, I get it. The Bus family, it's part of the it's wrapped intertwined into the Lakers, their legacy, right. their history, you know, all of that. Right. So I'm not I'm not trying to say, oh my gosh, get rid of this ownership group or anything like that. It's not what I'm saying. But there is an advantage to having unlimited spending power. And I think we've seen that in, in recent years. I think that's something that's mattered in terms of the roster build, in terms of what we've seen the two clubs do, all of that. And it would be would be nice to be in that situation. I'm joking, guys. I love Jeannie. Calm down. Leave me alone. Uh, Mo Freeman said, Trevor, are you still hoping Russ will be traded? If so, ideally, who would you want? I, I keep going to um, the Pacers deal. But he healed a Miles Turner. That's, that's, to me, that's the move that could put you over the top, could give you a really good team. It could give you the best defensive big tandem in the NBA. It could give you a lot, a lot. You know, it could give you a real shot at being something in the Western Conference. And so if if there's some way to get that done, if that deal is on the table and you can figure out a way to make it happen, that would be my preference. There's some players, though, from the Jazz that make some sense. If you can do it for one first, maybe. But even then, like, moving forward, if you only have one first left in the chamber to use, is that going to get you where you want to go knowing that you probably have to make a future trade if you pick up Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich and Rudy Gay or whatever. That's not enough to really get you where you want to go this season nor sustain you for the future. I think you could do that. I think you could be good for the next two seasons with the Pacers deal. Mm -hmm. I think you might be a little bit better this season if you do the Jazz deal. But after that, you've got free agents. You've got guys, older guys who are another year older. I don't think there's a whole lot of sustainability there either got a good one for you trev yeah from pair ranger uh what would you do if you were a gm for a day i mean gm for a day i'd be a lame duck right you wouldn't be able to change too much um <laughs> if, if i could go and, and tinker with anything it would it would be i'd be looking at what the lakers can do with this Russell Westbrook contract, trying to find the best deal possible. And I think at some point, they're going to have to consider really what a rebuild's going to look like for them. And I don't think we're that far away from that. So I've kind of got that in the back of my mind with any of these moves that I'm making. But I'm also looking at trying to maximize what I can do here in a two-year window. So I would be trying to, on the periphery, add some younger players who take some shots on some guys, some second draft guys you use, maybe your what 12, 13, 14, 15 roster spots on some guys like that. Some younger players that you think let's take a chance on a guy who maybe got passed over with some other teams in the Lakers. I think have done that to a degree. Some of the players that they've added, but I'm also trying to kill two birds with one stone here while I'm doing that. I'm also trying to bring in some veterans that can help LeBron win right now in a trade. If I can find something, anything, that doesn't equate to just cannibalizing my entire future as a franchise. And that's a very difficult line to walk and pulling it off successfully would not be easy. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'm also, 
I'm also making it a priority that you take your guys who are second round, especially when you've got such a great <laughs> scouting department. Yes. Sign these guys for three years, four years if you can. Don't sign them for two years and then have to pay them. A year season. earlier. A year early, yeah. And then now you're stuck with bad contracts because what would have been their third year on that rookie deal, then you make a decision. You're now paying them like a six-man mm-hmm. wherein they're still developmental players. Cough, cough, yep. Taylor Lawrence Tucker. Uh, Lil Yoni said, which trade do you think would make us a contending team again? The Jazz-Lakers deal or the Pacers-Lakers deal with the Pacers willing to include Westbrook and the two first-round picks? I'm not, there's nothing the Jazz could offer him. If it's me, there's nothing the Jazz could offer that would make me say, okay, two firsts. I would have to think about what would be the best package. Beasley, Boyan, Clarkson. I think you'd have to think long and hard about that. Yeah, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt should be in the mix. I'd have to think long and hard about that. But otherwise, the Pacers deal is the only one where I would... I would have to really consider doing that because that's the one I think that has the highest ceiling of what's out there. Yeah, totally. I think the the Pacers deal also is more of a fit thing where I think you could argue there's more talented players in a jazz deal. But I think right now you, you really need to focus on the better fit, especially if you're giving up two first round picks. And like, like uh, Trevor mentioned, you know, with the Pacers deal, you're probably you can very easily keep those guys around for three, four, five years in Lakers jerseys. The only one you can do that with with the Jazz is Vanderbilt. If we're being honest, because both yeah. Bogdanovich is free agent after this year. Clark has a player option. Beasley, I think, has a team option maybe, so his contract's a lot more pl- uh, team friendly. Um, and then Vanderbilt, and then Vanderbilt. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree that is probably the Pacers deal. Also, think it fits Darvinham's scheme a lot more. Yes, that's another good point. You know, something I forgot to mention off the top that I'm excited about. I'm excited about playback. Ha! <laughs> I'm excited about that. We're actually going to get like a full season, preseason and everything, where we get to watch the Lakers games directly with you guys. We're going to be on our playback channel. Um, I'll drop the link in the description for this video just so people kind of have it. But once the preseason starts up, we're going to be watching every game with you. You can come watch the game directly with us. You can hear our commentary. We'll interact with all of you. And we all get to watch the game together. Like on the same screen, we'll be at the same spot in the game and everything. It's If you haven't been on our playback channel before, it's it's a blast. It's a lot of fun. And I, I just, I can't wait for that. That's going to be good. Yeah, it was a ton of fun last year, guys, for the people that uh, joined me and Trevor last year. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a lot more me this year. Trevor will be around here and there. Um, and some other, the Laker Nation staff, hopefully. But uh, yeah, we'll yeah come join there. us. Come join us and, uh, you know, we get to rant and uh, celebrate together. They have some new features on that. Join the Dodger Blue uh, pay, playback a few times. And, uh, yeah, if you want to see me, you know, freaking scream at a missed rotation defensively, come join <laughs> us. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'll be around for the majority of them, I think. I'll be able to do, the, like, the majority of them. There's a few that I won't, but, uh, but we'll rotate some staff through as well. It's going to be fun. Uh, Ken says, hello, guys. When is media day? Um, I don't, I don't think I wrote it down. I want to say it's like the 26th, maybe? Yes, yeah, the day before training camp, isn't it? Yeah. See, the 25th or 26th, right in there somewhere. So coming up, a few weeks away. Hello to you too, Ken. Yes. 
Anthony Marks, how likely a Lakers Pacers trade actually happens? It's been so quiet. I'm not going to say it's likely right now. Um, yeah. I think we'll be hearing more about it. Like, I, I still, fingers crossed, hopefully something does happen. Hopefully the Lakers find a trade that they think makes a lot of sense. But I just, I'm at the point where I don't, especially as we get closer and closer to training camp, it just doesn't feel like it's going to happen right now. Great. In the event Russ stays, do you think deals will get better as the season goes on? Teams will try to fleece us more if our record is 500 or below. If we're still below, if we're below 500 at the deadline, why are we trading Russ? Yeah. Like trading Russ to me would be like, okay, we're hovering above 500, um, you know, a few games above. Maybe we're like the seven seed in the West, something along those lines. And there's a trade out there. They're like, okay, this catapults us back up. We, we like where we are. We think we're okay right now. This makes us a solidified playoff team that, can really compete with one of those teams in the West and potentially make a, a deep run. But if we're below 500, then why are you trading Russ? Just yeah. let it expire. Yeah, and, and I think that there's something to this notion that, well, if you get to the midway point of the season, then the Lakers have paid half of Westbrook's salary right. by that point. And so then financially, it's a little bit easier for teams to take on that contract at, at that point. So that's there's something to that as well. Um, and I'm of the mindset, like, I think... I don't think Russ is going to be his old self. I don't think we're going to see that. I went the other night. I was um, I was trying to dig into, you know, where did Russ's game really decline and, and all that kind of stuff. And of course, it, all roads lead back to his field goal percentage at the rim, which dropped by like 10% compared to yeah. the, the Houston Rockets. So from two years before the Houston Rockets season to his Lakers numbers, uh, his at the rim finishing dropped off a lot. And I thought about all the missed dunks and everything that we saw from him last season and how even he looked surprised by it. The Lakers were concerned enough to send him to a doctor to see if there was something wrong with his eyes or his hands or whatever. Like we heard all these stories, but just the eye test. Like I tried to find different ways to measure, you know, how fast is he actually running on the court? Was there a statistical drop off in terms of his explosiveness? But just by the eye test, you just go and, and just Watch his best plays from last season. Compare that to his best plays from two seasons before when he was a Rocket. Like You watch one right after the other, and it's noticeable that he's not getting up as high. He's not as explosive. So I don't think we're going to see that Russ come back. But that being said, I think we can still see better than what we saw last season. I think we can still see a better version of Russell Westbrook this season. And I think if they do see that, if we see a Russ that is willing to do the things, and again, I, I'll believe it when I see it because I'm going to be skeptical, but if we do see him buy into everything Darvin Ham needs to do, let's say the team is floating around 500 and Russ isn't a problem, he's fitting in, and things are going relatively smoothly, maybe that gives the Lakers a little bit more leverage in a negotiation. So it can go either way there. It's a risk, but... That may just be where the Lakers are at, where they say there's nothing available right now that makes sense to move these picks. Maybe midway through the season, something will pop up. Yeah, I agree. And um, I, I think if you watch Russ last season, and, and I do hope they can get better. And like you mentioned, like I, when you say best play um, from Russ last season, I'm thinking that dunk over Rudy Gobert. Gobert that was Gobert. Russ in Houston. That that dunk is a whole, whole lot worse for Rudy Gobert. Um, and even, but 
I mean, and also it was an amazing like, play, but it, yes. Yeah. And by the way, Russ isn't a bad player. He's just a awful fit, egregious fit he was last season. And then to add on to that, he didn't buy in to Frank Vogel. Him and Frank Vogel never seemed like they had a good relationship. And um, him and Darwin seem like they have built a nice relationship so far. Mm-hmm. And even if Russ goes into the season and doesn't um, buy into what Coach Ham wants, it does seem like Coach Ham isn't um, nervous to pull the pull the trigger on you know benching Russell Westbrook potentially. I, I think we're at a point where maybe save for LeBron in a battle leverage battle a political battle between darvin ham and any player on the roster darvin ham's going to win yes for for lebron you know what i mean and the same couldn't be said of frank vogel last season right uh lords of the sky if you took last year's roster put it up against this current roster who wins in a seven game series this year i I sure hope it's this year yeah (laughs) No, I was, I was th- the only thing that got me was the seven game series part. Cause as much as we like crap on Frank Vogel in a seven game series, there's only a handful of coaches I want more in a seven game series where he can like, make adjustments after can, game one. Yeah. yeah. Where he can make adjustments game to game. So that's why I was a little hesitant. Like if you said, like if the question was just straight up, who's which roster is better, I'd say this year. But mm-hmm. seven game series, I think it's a lot more interesting than people would expect because of Frank. Yeah, I, I do think this year's squad wins. I think they there's just more youth, there's more athleticism when you're right. when you're being asked to make a second and third rotation, you've got guys who physically can do it. Um and so I think that's going to going to matter with this year's team. Um also like how negative would that be coming off of the worst, <laughs> least enjoyable season ever if we're right now saying, Oh, last year's team would beat this year's team. That that yeah. would not feel good. Yeah. Uh Squiddy said does Kyrie Irving get booed when he plays in LA? Honestly, maybe. <laughs> if there's a if there's hope that Kyrie is going to be a Laker next summer, or he, he's at the very least going to be a free agent target of theirs, maybe he gets cheered. I don't know. I don't know. Mamba mentality. Trevor, when are the Clippers going to move out? <laughs> uh, when they. Well, uh, when they're building their own arena, I'm tired of their disrespect. Imagine you let someone live in your house for a while until they find a place and they cover up your family portraits and heirlooms. Yeah. I mean, it's the Clippers did everything they could to try to take shots at the Lakers and make themselves an annoyance in LA. That's there's no question about that. They crafted ad campaigns specifically to market themselves as the anti-Lakers and to try to diminish what the Lakers have done. Um, I give it up for the, the Clippers front office. They've done a great job assembling a team. I think they've got a really good team this year. They've gotten the upper hand on the Lakers in recent years. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, look, the, the Clippers have been disrespectful to a degree of the Lakers and that, has been frustrating for for Lakers fans because that they're that kind of gnat that just won't ever go away. As much as we kept saying, oh, go to Seattle or whatever, LA is too big of a market. So it's going to be like this for a while. And if anything, look, the Lakers, you've got to beat them. Yeah. Yeah, Their front office is running laps around the Lakers front office right now. 
It's on the Lakers to fix to fix that, to right that wrong. That's one of the funniest super chats I've ever seen. Thanks to Mom Mentality. Appreciate that was a good it. one. That was a good one. Uh, Marquise Jason, Russ started to turn it on a bit towards the end. So I don't know. I think he can turn it around. Well, what's the reason why he turned it around? If you guys do recall, is his best stretch was those last 10 to 12 games. Mm-hmm. And the first four of those games was when me and Trevor, it was so much so Trevor's like, Sean, you should do a breakdown on this, where the offense actually looked halfway competent, where they were moving the ball around. It was a driving kick motion offense. Like, that's when Russ looked his best, and unfortunately it couldn't last throughout the rest of the season. But like that's what it, that's when Russ looked at his best. We were screening and doing those extra things that we expect to see with Coach Champs. So, you know. And isn't that too when they really started playing all the kids? Like Wenyan Gabriel was getting minutes, Stanley Johnson. I've repressed much of last season, but Stanley Johnson <laughs> was getting minutes, Austin Reeves, Wenyan Gabriel. Like those were the guys that were getting the minutes too. Yeah. The, the Raptors, Sixers, Wizards, Cavs game. Those are the four freaking best games the last year. No, I'll also say, I think he shot, I want to say he shot like 40% from three in those games or something though. And I think if I recall, a lot of those were from the corner. If that, look, if there, if somehow crazy things happen, if Russ shoots 40% from three for a season instead of a 10 game stretch, we're good. That's no problem. If Russ is suddenly a 40% three point shooter, we're just going to take those, that final 10 game stretch and say, Oh, that's who he is now. Let's go. Okay. Off we go. Let's do this thing. That changes a lot. It changes so much on the offensive end. Maybe you can still quibble over the defense and all of that. But again, I I think if you're counting on that to happen, you're most likely are going to wind up disappointed. Yeah. So I would rather go into the season assuming that Russ is not going to do what we what he saw over the final 10 games. And then if he does and we see that, fantastic. I will be out in front cheering. Actually, you know what, Sean? Let's make a little deal here. I'm going to do this right now. If Russell Westbrook is, because I know there's a lot of Russ stands out there, 10 games. So we're going to make this reasonable. 10 games into the season, if Russell Westbrook is shooting 40% too high of a bar? Yeah, I was about to say 35. 35 is too low. 38. 38. If Russell Westbrook, after 10 games into the season, is shooting a 38% or above <laughs> from three, I will buy a Russell Westbrook jersey and wear it on the show. <laughs> How about that? We've spent all summer saying negative things about Russell Westbrook. If he performs well in the first 10 games, shoots better than 38% from three, I think it's only fair that I lose some money buying his Lakers jersey and showing it off to everybody. <laughs> what do you, I think that's that's a reasonable little, little bet to throw out there, right? Only if you buy me once. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Joe, hey, man, if I, if I need an excuse to, uh, to uh, you know what, screw it, F it. The, the chat wants me to do it too, it seems. You know what, I'll, that'll be an excuse for me to buy the uh, classic edition, the UCLA oh, blue, there you go. Uh, Russ White, as long as it's not like PS5 level out of stock. Those so. are so hard to get. It's still, they're still not available, but I definitely do want one of those. Um, There's an excuse. There you guys go. Yeah. Adam Christie said, here's a mind better. Who would give the Lakers more assets, a LeBron trade or an AD trade? I still think it's a LeBron trade. 
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. LeBron by the, trade. By the way, I did that bet with playoff Rondo. Really? We, we have been trashing Rondo all year. And I, I want to say, try, like, <laughs> look, we just, we just call it like we see it. If a player's playing great, I want to celebrate that player. If they're not playing well, we're going to talk about it. Rondo was not playing well all year. And then we made the, the bet with the chat that said, hey, look, if Rondo, if playoff Rondo shows up and helps the Lakers win a championship, I'll get a Rondo jersey and we'll wear it on the show. So my playoff Rondo jersey is right now. It's in my closet right over there. Um, so we'll see if Westbrook can do the same thing. But um, anyway, so the question at hand. Yeah, I'm still going to say LeBron. LeBron. Really quickly. Th- this is going a little too far with this super chat. That's going way too far. <laughs> Trev, you should get some warm sleeves too. Arms, are, are we talking about the sleeves that, that Russ actually wears? Or you, you're not talking about tattoos, right? I'm not getting Russell Westbrook tattoos. <laughs> that's, that's not happening. That's how I interpreted that. Or maybe they were talking about the uh, the arm sleeve, like with basketball players. The shooting wear. sleeve? Yeah, yeah. I, would, I would assume that that's, that's it. Uh, Legacy hoops. Armani Brooks shoots 30, sorry, 38% from three. Three of eight attempts for the Rockets. We need shooting. Do you think we sign him? I think they give the minutes to Cole Swider. Yeah. And and again, it's another guard. Like I I think Lakers if they do make another move it'd be a wink. Uh fear the carrots. <laughs> that's an, that's an interesting one. Uh would you rather have Bogdanovich or Richardson Bogdanovich? I like Bogdanovich. Josh Richardson just fine, but Bogdanovich is bigger, 6-8. He's got the ability. He shoots. I mean, I know he's older and everything, but I just think Bogdanovich is the more impactful player. I think I agree, but I don't, I don't know. I, I'd I don't, love I don't dislike Richardson. Um, Leonidas said, uh, Swider, wing, 14th spot, Huff, G, 15 G League. A multi year contract? Is that, I'm assuming that's what that means. Yeah. Um, look, I think the J Huff, like, I think if, Cole Swider gets the 14th spot. I'm giving Jay Huff the two-way spot. Right. I think, unfortunately, we're probably like another year away from seeing Jay Huff as a main stay on the Lakers' actual roster. Because I think like there is a very likely scenario where Damian Jones plays really, really well as that rim-running drop coverage big and gets uh, ops out and go takes a bigger contract somewhere else. Or maybe that's Thomas Bryant, who just leaves – and if Thomas Bryant leaves, and I mean, what better replacement to already have on your roster who gets to learn the culture through Darvin Ham um, after one year than Jay Huff? So, yeah. All right. 
Um, Brody says, if the fans stop yelling no every time Westbrook shoots, maybe he'd play better. I went to the Memphis game and couldn't imagine playing like that. It sucks. Yeah. But, I mean... I get it? It, it? It's it's like telling Philadelphia fans to, to not to not, you know, be as passionate as they are. It's like telling New York Yankee fans to not be the way they are. Like these are, it's, I, I get what he's saying, but it's professional sports. Like you can say that about a lot of fan bases. I think it gets uh, thrown more out of proportion with the Lakers because we're Lakers, but uh, like this happens with a lot of sports and a lot of different cities and sports teams, not just us. And here's the thing, like, I understand if if Russ is shooting with 20 seconds left on the shot clock, scream no. Yeah, that's when you scream like, no. That's, that's totally fine. Now, if there's four seconds left on the clock and he's shooting a three because the clock's winding down, then fans shouldn't be saying anything. Yeah. But if he's taking shots where everybody in the building knows he shouldn't be taking that shot, or conversely, when he's on the road and you're seeing opposing fans cheer when he shoots... Those are the shots that I'm okay with fans reacting to. If yeah. he's shooting because the clock's running down and that's the shot that's open, then he's got to do that. So I think I think the situation matters. Yeah. And people are saying they don't do it to their own players. Yes, they do. Philly literally alienated Ben Simmons. Like, this happens everywhere. It ha- But, I mean, this it's usually not quite to the degree where it's so noticeable on TV. But let's yeah. face it, last, last season was also some extenuating circumstances i mean when you consider everything that was going on last season yeah uh raza said hey guys so currently we have 30 million in cap space and it's going up by 10 million so can't we sign Kyrie for 40 million as a free agent big fan that 30 million was already projecting a cap increase mm-hmm. the cap's only increasing by about 1 million more than what the projection was so yeah that's it's not like they went, hey, the cap's going up 10 million, so now there's 40 million available. No, the cap was already projected to go up, and that 30 million was factored in there. When you add up LeBron and AD's salaries, because that's really all that's going to be on the Lakers' books next year. It's LeBron, AD, as of this moment. It's LeBron, AD, Max Christie, Austin Reeves will have a qualifying offer at about 2 million and change. That's all you've got on the books. But the problem is, if you only have three guys under contract, LeBron, Max Christie, AD, um, you still have a bunch of open roster spot charges. You'd have nine of them sitting on your on your books at about a million each. So you'd have to, when you add in the the extra, you're probably looking at like 10 million or so that you can't spend because it's being withheld for you to fill those extra roster spots. So you have to factor that into your calculation too um, when you're looking at how much cap room the Lakers will actually have. So the cap does increase. It is going up. It's going up by a little bit more than what was being projected. But when we were saying the Lakers have 30 million, we were already factoring in that cap increase. So yeah. Um, and, and who knows? It may continue to go up. We'll see. Maybe the NBA has this landmark year and they bring in a ton of money and the cap, instead of going up by 1 million more than projected right now, maybe it goes up by 7 million more than projected. I mean, you never know. It just yeah. depends on how all the numbers get crunched. All right. We'll do a few more. Did that one. Trev, you should get some arm sleeves too. Okay, we did that one. Uh, Cole said, if the Lakers with Russ managed to reach the trade deadline as a top four or five seed, would you guys still look to trade Russ in an Indiana trade? No. 
because I really do think like, if you are like a, a top four seed in the West by the deadline with Russell Westbrook, something's going right. And I mean, yeah, your incentive to trade is a lot of it's gone. Your motivation is gone. Yeah, I was. OK, so let's say the Pacers have a lot of incentive to trade Miles Turner before the trade deadline. Unless they decide they're going to keep him. And if they're going to keep him, they might as well work out an extension with him. Because otherwise, he's going to hit free agency and he's going to walk away for nothing. Right. So they either have to decide we're keeping him and come to terms on an extension, or they have to decide to trade him. So if you're the Lakers and you think somehow, some way, and I think whoever trades for him would want to do an extension with him. But if you keep Russ and you somehow, a scenario emerges where Miles Turner is going to be a free agent, and you're still doing okay with Russ, you could have the best of both worlds. You could sign Miles Turner in free agency and have him moving forward and keep all your picks. Right. By just by just waiting. And yeah. that's not just true of Miles. That would be true of other free agents too. Soon to be free agents. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, man, like if the Lakers are like a six or a seven seed hovering around that tier where they're like a piece away, LeBron and AD are playing well. You're just like, man, they have just one more piece, right? Not even saying Russ is having a bad year. And then, like, Miles, you feel like Miles embodies that, then sure. But, again, if you're top four or five C in the West at the, at the deadline, something's going right. Just just go with it. Mm-hmm. All right, Corey says, Phil Jackson was present those last 10 games when Russ started playing better. Phil was in Russ's ear, moved his game closer to the rim using his strength and Russ game confidence. Again, I think it was more so as the offense looked a little bit more competent. And Russ, we start to see more of what Russ should be used as next to LeBron AD, more of a as a cutter and a slasher. And um, it's an off-ball. Again, as a corner shooter, he's pretty all right. Um, and as a secondary playmaker, I think that, that was the biggest thing. I mean, I don't know if Phil was really in his ear or not, but... Um, yeah, I think it's more so like the offense actually looked halfway decent and it wasn't just stagnant and stay on LeBron. We'll, we'll run this little, you know, half court quick hitting set. If it doesn't work, LeBron, we're going to give you the ball and uh, stand in the corner and with no movement whatsoever. Now, in those last 10 games, they were two and eight. Yeah. But uh, but again, by that point, we knew what last was two games that Russ played rather. Yeah, yeah, last ten games that Russ played, they were they were two and eight, um, but he was indeed better. I mean, you you just pull the stats. He and I know you don't always judge Russ by counting stats, but just in terms of his three point percentage, those were going in more frequently. Um, you saw him, and you saw the attempts get limited from three as well, rebounding the ball pretty well. So hopefully, there's something to build on there. But again, this is a whole new team, different situation. Uh, like, let's see, what was his, the last game we saw from Russ, he put up 28 points against the Suns, shot well, and the starting lineup was Monk, Bradley, Russ, Dwight, Anthony Davis. Barf. Two of those guys are still Lakers, three are not. But like the game, like if you're talking about like a, a good Russ game, look at that Denver game, the game before where uh, Anthony Davis on one leg looked great, and they probably should have won that game, but AD ran out of gas, for being honest, because mm-hmm. um, he was playing really hobbled. But for three quarters, AD was the best player on the floor. Russ cut down on turnovers and was... Just and only took of, one three. 
only took one three. It was concise with his shot making. He just couldn't make free throws that game, unfortunately. But he and, got uh, to the line 10 times, or he took yeah, 10 free throws. Yeah. And this was actually when uh, Frank Vogel was, for some reason, not playing Austin Reeves, for God knows what reason. Um, I forgot. Right. This was like that four game. The rookie period. wall. Yeah. The Wookiee. Yeah. The, wo- the Wookiee wall. Yeah. That's Star Wars. Man. That still baffles me how Frank like really went with that decision. Yeah, I mean, I, I think once Austin came back, though, he proved he needed to be in the rotation. Uh, could Wenyan Gabriel play as a three and D player? Yes, and I actually I was thinking about this earlier when I look at this Lakers roster, right? You've got JTA is six six, Troy Brown is six six. We've been thinking about those guys as guys who can defend bigger players. What if they can't? And I have more confidence that JTA can, but you're still going to be undersized. Yeah. So aside from Anthony Davis and LeBron, right? Because you're Thomas Bryan is not going to go chase a bunch on the perimeter. Damian Jones is not going to either. The two guys that actually give you size, a lot like we used to have at Kyle Kuzma, that can actually go defend on the perimeter are right now LeBron and Anthony Davis and Wenyan Gabriel. He's mm-hmm. the only other guy that has size who potentially could competently defend on the perimeter for this Lakers team. Yeah. I, I just struggle to see where he fits in the rotation, but mm-hmm. sure. I, I do agree. I mean, and he's, he's six, nine, but this is, they never replaced Kyle Kuzma. They never did. They never found a replacement for that skill set, And that's going to be, that's a problem. Because it's a really important skill set in the NBA. But we'll see. I mean, hopefully Wenyan surprises some people. Or maybe they could do it with this draft class. You know, you get a first-round pick, and then you'll have uh, two seconds in another loaded draft class. It's going to be fun doing some more in-depth draft analysis for you guys this year. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, why don't we wrap things up there? Appreciate everybody coming in. Somebody said that's where they need Vanderbilt. Yeah. Uh, Touche. He can do that a little bit. Uh, more of a guy who's just a beast on the boards, though. But in any event, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Uh, thank you, everybody who's listening over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Can't wait. Three more weeks till the Lakers are in preseason action. We're going to have training camp starting up right before that. Let's go. We're almost there. Basketball is almost back. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com